Hello and welcome to the Lancet podcast. Richard Lane with you here on Friday, February the 24th. This week for change, we're focusing on an individual, Professor Azad Khan from Bangladesh. He is profiled in this week's issue and it's a fascinating story starting in rural Bangladesh going to Oxford and gastroenterology in the 1970s, and then back to his homeland, where he pioneered a non-communicable diseases movement. Do look out for the profile, and let's hear from the man himself, Professor Azad Khan. Thank you for inviting me. What I have done in Bangladesh, after going back from Oxford, before I returned to Bangladesh from Oxford, in the clinical community of Bangladesh, it was completely restricted to um, taking clinical care, you know, there's no research component into it. So I tried to uh, encourage my fellows who came up with me there and that they should be, they should engage themselves at least solving the problem that they, they see. Because the problem they see, their solution may not be in the textbook written in the Western world all the time. So this is one thing. And second thing is uh, I was also trying to make them understood that the teaching and uh, academic work cannot be separated from research. This must be intimately combined. When I returned back in 1977, uh, there was only sort of a preliminary specialty in Bangladesh that was cardiology. The other specialty like gastroenterology, this uh, gastroenterology at least did not exist. So uh, I started the process of starting gastroenterology unit in uh, Bangladesh. Although before my time, the people who were even in cardiology, they would call themselves generalists and cardiologists. We are the first generation, uh, we say that, uh, well, if you are specialist, that means you are gastroenterologist or cardiologist. And every specialist has also to know some general medicine, at least, so that he knows where he, his, his limit is exceeded, you see. So that's that sort of things. Subsequently, for various reasons, when I joined Diabetic Association, I tried to create health care especially chronic disease care throughout the country. Because until that time, in Bangladesh, health care meant episodic care. There was no concept of um, care of lifelong diseases because, you see, to take care of lifelong diseases, one needs record-keeping, follow-up, and uh, patient education, uh, this, uh, this sort of thing. Fortunately, uh, Professor Ibrahim, who was my father-in-law, he could foresee even as back as 1956 when Diabetic Association uh, was established that disease like Diabetic Association needs to be treated with a different uh, setup. That means they need this. So, so they started Diabetic Association different from Diabetic Associations in other parts of the world. In the sense that Diabetic Association in other parts of the world, they are mainly engaged as an advocacy body for diabetic patients or the right of diabetic subjects, etc., etc. But uh, the founding fathers of Diabetic Ashram Bangladesh thought that to give diabetes care in this part of the world, they have to create healthcare institution themselves because to get the idea of continued care in government setup or in private hospitals, that's far off still. And they started creating their own institutions and they also, the main institution that the first creators called Bardem, which is a big name, uh, Bangladesh Institute of Research and Rehabilitation, Diabetes, Endocrine and Metabolic Disorders. He had the uh, foresightness to start a research lab 
of its own, separate from the clinical lab. So I joined that in 1988 and uh, tried to uh, set up a group of biomedical research workers, you see. So the cultural research gets into there. I don't know whether we have achieved a lot, but at least uh, I have been able to achieve an environment for research, you see. Now there's a biomedical research group who does some uh, research uh, in also some fundamental research. Interesting that you've put this energy into um, treating, preventing and treating a non-communicable disease in a country like Bangladesh is pioneering, clearly. What's the sort of profile of, of the diabetic, um, say the type 2 diabetic population in Bangladesh? Presumably we're talking about diabetes in non-obese people, are we? Yes, in Bangladesh, diabetes means mostly type 2 diabetes, you see. More than 95% are type 2 diabetes. The profile is... Um, uh, is more common in um, uh, urban areas, uh, less less common in comparison to urban areas in rural areas. But what is alarming that pre-diabetic, see, if you call IFC or IGT as pre-diabetic, they are more common in rural areas. So that means with lifestyle changes, with uh, urbanization, there's a big population who are waiting to become quickly diabetic. See? At the moment, uh, Bangladesh has got uh, something between 150 to 160 million people, and there are about uh, 8 million diabetics. See? And you've got uh, and the, and the pre-diabetics, the people who are close to being or becoming type two. Do they have the same lifestyle and risk factors that we would associate with type two diabetes in urbanised settings in 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 Europe, for example? Is it lack of activity, poor diet, lack of physical exercise? Are these still the same factors? Well, you see, it is uh, many many works have uh, have shown that we have a more genetic component of diabetes. So even uh, with the rural background, people once they gain fat, when they, when they become uh, slightly overweight, they become pre-diabetic. See? And if they are uh, if they are not careful of the lifestyle, then they will become fully diabetic. So another new factor is you see low birth weight yeah. is quite common. You see. Yes. So, so this, that's why they are that's destined. The, yes, that's the low birth weight hypothesis, is it? The idea being that if, if a child is starved of nutrients in utero, it somehow sort of tries to overcompensate when it's born, is that correct? That's right. Yeah. Uh, so if, the, if somebody is low birth weight, he is somewhere programmed to become diabetic. Especially if they become overweight, even if they gain normal weight, then they have a bigger chance of becoming diabetic, you see. With this idea, we try to create more and more diabetic association. Bangladesh Diabetic Association is like a confederation of many diabetic associations. We have got now 60 diabetic associations throughout the country. Also, the Central Diabetic Association, that's the main Bangladesh Diabetic Association, is bigger than all the others combined. But those district diabetic associations are affiliated to the main diabetic association. That is, uh, that's the model that we have, we have yeah. built. An association system. Yeah, yes, was, yeah. Yeah. And in fact, some of our district associations are quite big. See, like Poritpur um, uh, is a district in the southern part of the country. That diabetic association has got a medical college of its own. So that means to have a medical college, they must have 250-bed hospital. have got a nursing college and this year they're going to open a dental college as well and another uh, diabetic association in the northern part. Is your um, association and its 
diabetic services that it offers and that's an important point you've made it's not just it's not just advocacy this is direct service provision is it providing the majority or all of the diabetes needed services in Bangladesh or is it doing it in parallel with diabetic services offered by government health services well diabetic services in the government hospital hardly exist it's in the government hospitals mainly caters for episodic diseases and episodic care so that means uh, infectious diseases and that sort of that sort of things or maybe a complication of diabetes uh, they go to the hospital and then let's say uh, somebody has developed diabetic gateway services ends up in a government hospital treated and go home and then then they are not followed up you see so real diabetic service hardly exists in in uh, any other setting than diabetic associations in Bang- Bangladesh and also we um, realized from the beginning for uh, for this uh, diabetic care services there must be important component of patient's empowerment through patient education. So uh, now we have made it compulsory for any association or any healthcare organization to be affiliated with us, they must have a diabetic health educator. That's a compulsory, otherwise we will not affiliate them. And uh, the issue became whether, uh, uh, what do they get the educator? So I took initiative uh, about uh, four years back so we created about uh, more than 100 uh, pioneer diabetic educators. So now it is self-sustaining, you see, because these educators educate more educators like that, you see. Yes, it perpetuates um, through the system. 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 Is, it, is it fair to say then that, you know, the pioneering work of the, the Diabetic Association has actually tangibly strengthened the overall health system within Bangladesh then? Oh, yes. yes, yes. See, we have shown two things. Number one, it is possible to run a healthcare uh, through uh, self-help, you see, because diabetic astronaut activities are conceived and developed uh, by the uh, uh, people of the country and with the finance of the country, you see. We are not a, we are not a donor-dependent NGO, you see, because there is a connotation that NGO uh, means a mostly donor-dependent. But David Gaston is not a donor-dependent organization. You're self-financing. Self-finance. has to be self-financing. In fact, one condition uh, to be affiliated with, the, with us, well, they must also be democratic and self-financing. Looking to the future of your country, Bangladesh, clearly Bangladesh is not a wealthy country, but it has be, be got recognition, hasn't it, from WHO and others for improving health indicators and health outcomes. How do you see the future of the health systems in Bangladesh? And I must ask you, how seriously do you think climate change is going to affect public health in Bangladesh because of its, purely because of its geographical situation? Climate change, if, if, if uh, the projection uh, really happens, it will create a lot of people um, you know, without home. So it will create new problems because uh, a southern part of the country will become underwater. Although Bangladeshis are very resilient people, you see, we have passed through many floods and cyclones and successfully survived through it, you see. So people are very resilient, you see. And uh, if it happens, how the things will shape is very difficult to imagine. Potentially, if the climate change doom-ridden climate change forecasts come to be true, as you say, and a lot of the country or more of the country becomes underwater, then presumably the priority in terms of public health would almost go back to as it was before you started tackling NCDs. It would be tackling infectious disease, waterborne issues, that situations that have 
largely improved through vaccination yeah. and programs over the past few years. Oh, yeah, the NCDs will become more important because these people who have become uh, homeless, you see, they will all move to the central cities of the remaining uh, part of the country, you see. And with that, uh, more people coming to the city, there will be more lifestyle change, more NCDs, you see. In fact, you see, in Dhaka city, the NCDs are uh, even common in both areas. You're having still a very active professional life. All your work through general medicine, gastroenterology, diabetes, everything you've done, your research, the teaching that you do, the, the passion for your country. You seem to enjoy work. You don't sort of see work as separate from life, but rather work being just part of life or even life itself. Work is life. What, what life is without work? In fact, I, if I if I say, please don't take the pretension. It's true. Uh, human life would be would be a burden if it is not of use to others through work. Professor Azhar Khan, many thanks indeed for talking to the Lancet. Uh, thank you for inviting me. It has been very nice knowing you, Richard. Many thanks indeed for listening. See you next time.